Hello again and welcome to the Daily in Christ podcast. I'm Mark Van Oos and this series called Hebrews, the glory of the new covenant, really is going through some incredibly powerful, life-transforming and liberating truths that are found in the Bible, in all of the Bible. And really when it comes right down to it, the topic material that we see here in the book of Hebrews really drives at the heart of why God the Father brought his son, Jesus Christ, to us. And we are in Hebrews chapter 8, and quite frankly, we're taking it very slowly through this extremely important chapter. And uh, here in Hebrews chapter 8, we find the new covenant clearly laid out. In fact, the new covenant, as it's expressed here, is repeated just two chapters later in Hebrews chapter 10. And... Of course, it comes from Jeremiah chapter 31. Today, we're in Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse 10. You know, the most powerful thing about the new covenant and the way it's expressed here are the I wills of God. Listen as we read these verses, Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. For this is the covenant, and God is speaking, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brothers, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says, A new covenant he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Well, there you have it. The new covenant stated clearly in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 13. As we begin our podcast today, let's take some time and go to the Lord. It's so important to rely upon the Lord and not our own understanding as we dig into God's word, seeking the Lord himself with the illumination and the aid of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your heart of love, unbelievable, incredible love, yet it's true, it's real. And Father, I thank you that it is your heart of love that inaugurated all of this, this incredible salvation that we have, this incredible Savior in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that he is our perfect high priest. He is the perfect son. He is the one who has accomplished all. And now, Lord, as we go into the heart of the new covenant, Lord, your agreement with us, your promises. Father, I pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, would once again grant the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge and understanding of you. Lord, it is all about you. And Father, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened once again, that we may know the hope of our calling, the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of your mighty power toward us who believe, like the working of your mighty strength which you exerted in Christ when you raised him from the dead, far above all principality and power, seating him at your right hand. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, you know, as I said at the very beginning of this podcast, the most striking thing about the new covenant are the I wills of God. Now, by way of important review of what we went over in the last podcast, we talked about in contrast to the I wills of God, the I wills of Satan. And this is found over in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. Satan at that time was Lucifer, an archangel of God, who said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. And it's that last one there. Of course, they're all lies of their own, but I will make myself like the Most High is the ancient deception, the great deception, the great lie. And this great deception of I will make myself like the Most High has come down through the ages. In Genesis chapter 3, the fall and Adam and Eve Uh, They were tempted by Satan who said, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, God had already made them in his image and likeness. There was no need to make themselves more like God as a creature can be like God. And then Israel under Moses at Mount Sinai uh, said this, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. And we marked last time how just a matter of a few short weeks later, they were giving glory to the devil, really, in uh, idolatry and worshiping a golden calf. And then Satan himself to Jesus in the temptation. Luke chapter 4 said, if you are the son of God, do this. If you are the son of God, do that. If you are the son of God, do this. You see how they were, how Satan was tying in the identity of Jesus, his sonship, as something that happens as a result of what he does. It's that old lie, I will make myself like the Most High. And then fallen man echoes these same diabolical I wills, saying things like, I will be good enough to earn heaven. I will make myself a better person. I will try to be more righteous. I will sin less to make myself more holy. I will strive to be like Jesus. Does any of this sound familiar? I will make myself like the Most High. In fact, friends, let me say that much of what we've bought into as Christianity basically comes down to I will make myself like the Most High. You know, it's all about what we should do and uh, all of uh, its behavior oriented. And it's not God oriented. It's not God centered. It doesn't look to God. There's nothing that is preached or very rarely is it preached about Christ in us, the hope of glory or our completeness in Christ. Well, that's where the I wills of Satan and the I wills of man take us right down to a dead end, literally a dead end. And again, let me contrast this once again with God's great I wills in the new covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. 
None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none of them his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins, and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says a new covenant, he has made the first, meaning the covenant of law, obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Well, I'll tell you what, I am really psyched about digging into this wonderful truth of God's new covenant. And there are some amazing, liberating truths that are here. And we're going to take our time through this because it's so big. It's so huge. And we want to start, first of all, with God saying, I will make a new covenant right there at the beginning of the passage that we are reading in Hebrews chapter 8. And then in verse 9, it says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant and I disregarded them, says the Lord. So we see that this new covenant is not like or not by the same means of the old covenant, which is the covenant of law. The means of the blessing and the benefits of the covenant are of this new covenant are not according to the law covenant terms. It's nothing at all like the law with me and my doing in the middle of it. The means of blessing under the new covenant is through a completely different means altogether. And this new covenant completely sets aside the former law covenant. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, in that he says, A new covenant he has made the first, again speaking of the covenant of law, obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now let me clarify there that at the time that the book of Hebrews was written, the uh, temple was still standing. They were still conducting all of the daily sacrifices. And then once a year, the high priest went into the holy place. All of that was still in place. It was still going on. And it wasn't too long afterwards that that temple was besieged by the Romans and it was torn down. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 12, again on the idea of the new covenant setting aside the former law covenant. Hebrews seven twelve says, For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there is also the change of law. In Hebrews chapter 7, verses 18 through 19, it says this, For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Remember, a couple of episodes ago, we were talking about the so much better of the new covenant. Well, that's one of them for sure. It is through this new covenant that we have a better hope. And through the new covenant, we draw near to God. That is extremely powerful, extremely important. All right, now let's look at uh, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10b, the one I will, where God says, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I, God says, I will, I will, not you will. He says, I will 
Put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. Let that soak in for a moment. This is God's covenant promise to you. Now, who does this? God does it. He says, I will. Is this anything at all about your I will, your promises, your commitments, your faithfulness? Not at all. You see, this is God operating in an entirely internal principle, not from the outside in as in the law, externals and external approach, but now from the inside out, from a new heart with the Spirit of God dwelling inside. Now let's talk about this idea of the new heart and The new covenant is expressed in various places in the scripture. This is the key place, Hebrews chapter 8 and then Hebrews chapter 10, quoting Jeremiah chapter 31. But in a few moments, we're going to be getting into Ezekiel 36 that gets even more into this idea of the new covenant and its internal work. First of all, the new heart. What does the Bible mean by the word heart. It doesn't mean that beating organ in the center of your chest. Uh, Easton's Bible Dictionary says, according to the Bible, the heart is the center not only of spiritual activity, but of all the operations of human life. Now, the new heart was foretold even in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. And remember, the Deuteronomy is the second iteration of the law. It literally means second law. This is Moses uh, when Israel was finally ready to enter the promised land, and he was going through the law again. And even in the midst of the law, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, this is what we read. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. Now, the idea of circumcise here means to cut away. It is a covenant sign of belonging to God. The old is cut off, and now there is a new order. In Ezekiel, speaking of the new heart, Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, we read this. The Lord is saying, then I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. Now notice alongside the new heart is a new spirit. Our spirit made alive, God's spirit inside of us in that spirit that's alive. And we'll be talking more on the new spirit a little bit later. Now we get into this passage I was talking to you about in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 through 27. Go ahead and turn to that in the Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 36, and we'll pick it up in verse 26. And again, this is another new covenant expression that we find in the Old Testament. See, this has been God's heart all along. God's heart has been the Son and the Savior of the New Covenant, has been the grace of the New Covenant. Remember that grace is God loving you totally, accepting you totally, and blessing you totally, not because you're so good, but because God is that good. And this New Covenant, as we've been seeing, 
And what we've been sharing today is heart level. And God promises a new heart. And this passage here in Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning in verse 26, is the key passage on the new heart. Here's what the Lord says. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Powerful, isn't it? Let's just take a few moments to linger on these powerful verses. God is saying, I will give you that new heart. God is doing it. He is the creator. We are the created. And in his action of the new creation, which we are, He has given us a new heart, and that's a living heart, not a cold, hard, dead heart of stone. God says he will put his spirit within us, and the idea of the spirit is the life of God himself. And you see what happens is that through the new heart and the spirit of God indwelling, we walk in his spirit statutes, but notice what it says there in verse 36. God says, I will cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. This reminds me of what it says in Hebrews, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 that says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to this, verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's in Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Did you hear the new covenant language there in verse 13? For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's God doing the work that creates the willing attitude toward God, the willing heart of obedience and love. It is God working inside of the believer. That's a completely infinitely better approach than the covenant of law, which was forced from the outside in. And God says that it says here that God works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. All of these scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament link up together. This concept, as it says in Jeremiah 24, 7, uh, The Lord says, then I will give them a heart to know me. Now, there's the relational part, right? That I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God for they shall return to me with their whole heart. That's what it says in Jeremiah 24, verse 7. God giving that new heart and we become his people and we have the desire to follow after God. Let's talk about this new heart a little bit and some important truths about the new heart. This is something, again, tragically, that is rarely mentioned in the church today, and it is causing great difficulty and pain for so many Christians. In fact, there is so much confusion about the Christian's heart 
that we hear uh, bandied about in the church today. We hear born-again Christians, even pastors, say things like this, my heart is such a mess. They'll pray, God, give me a new heart. Or they'll say, oh, I have such an evil heart. Or they'll say something like, my heart is, ah, it's a mixture of good and evil. But you see, friends, the new heart that God gives us is not a wicked heart. It is not a heart that's a mixture of good and evil. And I know what some people are saying. They'll say, now, wait a minute, Mark. What about Jeremiah 17, 9 that says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked? Who can know it? Well, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 refers to the way we were before the new birth, before the new creation, when we were in a condition that is described in um, Ephesians chapter 2 as being dead in trespasses and sins. God does not give us under the new covenant a wicked heart. He does not give us a heart that's a mixture of good and evil. Why would he do that? He gives us a righteous, good, and holy heart. Now, I realize that can be hard to to accept, but we have to change our thinking to face reality. We have bought a lie from Satan himself. We, who are born again, new creation Christians, by the grace of God, through the work of Jesus Christ, accomplished by the Holy Spirit, we are We have a new heart, and that new heart has been given to us by God. You see, we receive that new heart instantaneously with the new creation, with the new birth, when we were born again. And receiving the new heart is not a process. It happens instantaneously at the new birth. The new heart is part of the new creation. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 declares, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is, is, is a new creation. Old things have, notice the past tense, have passed away. Behold, all things, including your heart, have become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And again, it's not a partially new heart and a partially wicked heart, It is as is frequently taught in the church today. You see, to believe this is to charge God with botching his new creation work. And frankly, it is downright dangerous to holy living if we entertain the unbiblical notion that our new creation heart is part good and part evil. You see, you are not a devil half-breed. You are a new creation, a new man. Now, I go into much greater depths about this in uh, the teaching series, Living in the Reality of Perfect Sanctification. You can download that series for free at our website, dailyinchrist.org. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait a minute, Mark, then why do we struggle if we have a 100% new heart. Well, you see, the problem is not the heart, but the unrenewed mind. When you were born again, God didn't rip your brain out of your head and give you a new brain, did he? You got that old brain, and the mind needs to be renewed. And people often confuse our feelings and emotions with the heart. 
You see, the new heart with our new spirit is the base of God's operations in and through our lives. And he does this through his spirit. I want to take just a little bit of time here and talk about something that God began to do in my heart in life in the early 2000s. And I began to learn the truths of the realities of who I am and every born-again believer in Christ. Do you know there's over 100 verses that say in Christ or in him, and every single one of them point to the reality of who a Christian truly is. And I must say that at the beginning of that process, and it was a process of mind renewal for me, and it is typically for everyone that goes through this, it was a little bit hard because I would see certain things in the Bible that were stated point blank. For instance, in Romans chapter 8, it says in verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Up until that point, when I really faced that scripture, honestly, I entertained the idea, the false idea that a Christian could be in the flesh and in the spirit. You know, if I was misbehaving, I was in the flesh. If I was in the spirit, I was behaving correctly. Well, then I encountered Hebrews, I mean, Romans chapter 8, verse 9, that says, but you are not in the flesh. And I had to say, well, God, I don't understand this, but I have to accept this because this is what your word says. Either that or your word is, is a lie, and that's not true. It's the same thing here when we're walking through the new covenant. We are so addicted to ourselves. We are so addicted to our uh, self-righteousness, self-improvement, self-life, you know, our self-promises. I promise I won't do that again. I promise I will do this. How many resolutions did you make at the beginning of any new year and you broke them? You see, your I wills don't go very far. God intervenes. God who is perfect, who is almighty, who is infinite in his power, in his ability, in his holiness, in his goodness, and his righteousness condescends to us in love. And what does he do? He forges this new covenant, which is his heart, his intention of the new creation of the Savior, of the new life. And as we were discovering today, the new heart. If you are born again in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. And Christian, you have a new heart. Your problem in your Christian life is not that you have a wicked heart. See, that's what's causing the problem. It's wrong information that the devil uses to cripple Christians. See, if you believe you have a wicked heart, then your behavior will turn out wickedly. But if you believe you have a new heart, it's going to change things. And instead of walking by something that is false, the idea that you have a wicked heart, you'll be walking according to the spirit who is in operation in your new heart. This is radical, but it's biblical. And I want you to be willing to repent. 
You know, repent means to change your mind, to be willing to say, okay, God, I recognize what I have believed about my heart as a new creation in being wicked or being a mixture of good and evil was wrong. Lord, I repent of that wrong thinking and I embrace your biblical truth that you did not botch the new creation when you gave me a new heart. You gave me a new heart that truly loves you, that wants to follow after you. And it's my mind that needs to be renewed. And God, by his wonderful grace, through the application of real biblical truth, renews the mind. Now, mind renewal doesn't cause the Christian life. I want to be very, very clear about that. The Christian life operates through the Holy Spirit, Christ inside of us, operating mightily, working out. As it says, uh, we just read this a moment ago, and it is so very good, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it is God who works in you both to will, and to do for his good pleasure. Well, next time we're going to dig into the truth of the new spirit that God gives to us in this powerful I will of the new covenant. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your awesome work of the new creation. Lord, we have to confess that we have believed something that was wrong, that was Uh, in contradiction to the truth of your word. Thank you, Father, for your gracious work, the miracle of salvation, the miracle of the new birth, the miracle of regeneration. Father, I pray that you would take this word that we have shared today and by the Spirit, Lord, bring greater light, greater, greater understanding to us. And we thank you for doing that, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.